Hi everyone, it's Laurel Simmons here of The Right Club and I am joined by my co-host Paul Copt. Paul, it's great to see you and hear you today. Yeah, I'm looking forward to doing this with you, uh, Laurel. We've, uh, we've not done a show yet, so that's good. Yeah, and um, our guest today is Brooke Shang, who is um, a, a young woman who's really, I would say, um, gone, I, I don't, see, I was going to say into the deep end. That's not the right image I want to, <laughs> I, I want people to have. She's really focusing and gone, done a deep dive into real estate investing in, and she's written a book too. So she's got lots and lots of great insights. I mean, we have done the interview, so um, we have the advantage of having heard it before we do, before we do the introduction. But Paul, what, what, briefly were some of the things that struck you um with with brooke what she was talking right and what amazed me is that brooke has has really only been doing real estate investing for five years and right. and you look at the fact that she's done numerous uh real estate investing deals uh and and different strategies as well which uh, is not always the the case with a lot of real estate investors they'll kind of pick one strategy and just stick with it but she's kind of adapted because of the type of market she's in and the type of opportunities that have come up she's kind of pivoted several times which is uh, which was interesting yeah and it, it does sound too like she's she's doing not she's she's not doing just one and then another she's doing multiple sort of multiple strategies at the same time which which you know takes some some practice and and but she, she said she started with one and hey that's what everyone does you start with one right you just right. And you just start. That's the most important thing. I think that's the most important advice any any new investor can get is you just start. Right. And and the other thing I should point out to to listeners is Brooke was a speaker at one of our events just recently, and yes. uh, the the recording of Brooke's presentation is is going to be up on the will be will be up on the website by the time this uh, episode comes out. So, all right, check, check so that out as well. That's great. So before we go to the interview, um, everyone, do go to the website, www.therightclub.com. Um, there's lots of great content on there. Sign up, um, be informed, lots of education. And uh, we really do hope that you customize your life with real estate. So until next time, let's go to the interview. Welcome to the Right Club Podcast, where the focus is on helping you, the real estate investor, advance to the next level. And now let's join this week's hosts and share ways for you to customize your life. Welcome, Brooke, to the Right Club podcast. So you're an investor and you're with Trust Your Talent. And let's just get right into it. And, and tell us, why did you start investing in real estate? Thank you. Like a lot of people, I thought about getting into real estate for quite some time, actually. And um, I actually get really got really serious about it when I got back to the workforce because I realized we pay a lot of tax. We're not accumulating a lot of wealth, even though we are a double income family at the time. 
So I live in Toronto, so expenses is pretty high. And that's when I thought it doesn't make sense the way we lived our life. We make more, we pay more taxes. We're not accumulating a lot of wealth. So if I thought about creating wealth, the only wealth we actually created was just the appreciation of our properties. And we didn't actually seriously thinking about investing. We already see what real estate could do for us. So that's when I thought, okay, if I want to create wealth, if I don't want to constantly worry about paying tax and money, I want to learn about how to properly invest as an investor. So that's how I started. And and what sort of what were the first kind of steps or what, which what was your first property and 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 what does your portfolio look look like now? When I started, I could I wouldn't say I intentionally became a landlord. Our first investment property, or I should say rental property, was our previous home, which was a condo in Toronto. So that gave us the opportunity to take out equity, so HELOC at the time, to use that money to buy our current home now, and also some extra HELOC to invest in the education first, and then start to buy some investment properties. My very first one was only just over 100,000, and that wasn't even that long ago, end of, actually beginning of 2017. So just with the property we have in Toronto, we were able to pull out some equity. So that's how I started. Um, that's how it looked like then, one property to start, our previous home, a condo, then another income property. Then I thought, this is going a little too slow. My goal was to actually create cash flow. So I focused on something more creative. I started with lease options, so rent to own as my focus strategy in the beginning. And since then, I have converted a few duplexes, got into multifamily, now I'm into infill projects, and I did a lot of different creative financing, so lending, mortgages, so it has evolved quite a lot. It really depends on which stage in my life. And in the very beginning, yes, it was cash flow focused. It's interesting you've done quite a few different kind of strategies. Is that something that you would recommend to a new investor or what? What advice would you give somebody who's kind of thinking exactly like you were a few years ago? I want to get into real estate investing, but maybe they don't know what to what to do next. I think like anything else, set your goals first. Yes, we don't have to stick to one strategy if that doesn't work. So how I look at it is at first, I really wanted to know that I could create cash flow if I, like I said, don't want to depend on my working income and pay a lot of taxes. What can I do? to create that wealth, to create the cash flow. So for new people, new investors coming in, you don't have to stick to one strategy. However, properly learn how, how to start, how to do it. Because when I mentioned lease option, it's not that straightforward. It's a creative way of creating cash flow. So make sure you learn how to do it, but go back a step to see what your goals are at that time to decide on what strategy you wanna get into. Like I mentioned, I was lucky in Toronto, I see equity, right? So at first I thought I don't have to focus on building equity. I already see that. However, at that time, it's like piggy bank that I really couldn't just sell and get the money out. I, I saw it as equity sitting there and now I'm fo- I was focusing on creating cash flow. Now I'm at a point where I see that I could create cash flow. Let's build up some equity too. At the same time, it doesn't have to be one after another. So now I have short-term, mid-term, long-term goals as well. 
Short term, it could be lending, could be flip, something that actually create something quickly in terms of cash flow or capital. And long term, it's long term holds. So, um, what what is your hmm, how do I put this? If you've got different strategies and um, you're you're doing a lot, obviously, are you are you doing this full time? Because a lot of people who listen to this podcast they do mm-hmm. it part time. You know, in the evenings, people mm-hmm. have jobs and and they love a lot of them love their jobs. Some maybe don't, but that, that's another story. That's another podcast. Uh, but yeah. do you do you do it full time? Do you do it part time? And when you started out, how did you do it? I don't look at it as full-time or part-time currently because my job is so flexible. Like a lot of people since COVID, all of a sudden we can work from home as long as we could finish whatever we're supposed to do. And my job from the very beginning, it was flexible as long as I finished my work. And it just kind of evolved that I'm spending actually more time on the real estate side. Um, my job is in a way that demanding in the beginning when we were setting it up now i'm more flexible there's still certain hours i have to put in however it depends on what you want to do i don't think if it's a side hustle it's gonna stop you from progressing in real estate because as long as you do a little bit at a time when i started i basically allocate a few hours at night and back then the education was on the weekend so a lot of juggling my kids were young so a lot of my mommy friends helped take the kids to activities, my husband helped. And then I spent a lot of time at night just to go through the material. But overall, I started investing as a side hustle. I wouldn't say I spent any less time though. I didn't sleep a lot. I I didn't think I had to do that. However, that's how I started. Just some weekend courses in the beginning and then studying during the week, looking for deals during the week as well and analyze. I think I was able to be more efficient because I had that network when I started, just get into like the right club, different clubs, and also just learning from other people who have already done it. We're going to take a quick break from the show. Right Club Nation, let's take a quick minute here to meet our sponsor for the week, Blackjack Contracting. They've been serving Niagara, Hamilton, and Brantford areas, and for the past three years, becoming the area's largest basement suite renovation specialist. That's right, and Blackjack works with real estate investors, both new and experienced, converting single-family homes into multiple legal suites and renovating properties to achieve their maximum potential and value. Absolutely, and they've completed over 100 units from Brantford to Niagara Falls, and everywhere in between. They handle everything from permitting and design to final cleaning before you list your rentals. And they also have fully licensed electrical contractors certified with the ESA and take jobs of all sizes. Make sure to check them out at blackjackcontractinginc.ca and also follow them on social media at blackjackcontractinginc. And they say investing can sometimes feel like the biggest gamble of your life, but when you have blackjack on your side, the house always wins. So now, back to the podcast. And now, back to the show. So it sounds like you're, you know, everybody talks about the power team. It sounds like your power team was kind of an expanded one because you had <laughs> other people helping you. Um, yes. What, what advice would you give to uh, investors in terms of 
building up that team, getting that network yeah. together. What are the who are the important things? Because you've also mentioned several times you've mentioned training and education. Mm -hmm. Yeah, training and education at the same time. You meet people possibly start at the same time as you. You could be each other's accountability partners as well. I did have a mentor, so Tim has been on the podcast a couple of times. With somebody who have already done it, you don't have to figure everything out by yourself. That's the first thing. And I will say you probably don't just have one realtor, one lawyer, or one mortgage broker on your team, on your power team. Speak to a lot of people. Sometimes you vibe with each other. Sometimes you don't, even though they're crazy good or it depends on what they specialize in as well. So as my strategy changes, my realtor would change, my mortgage broker might change. However, you are constantly building that team as well. So people in your network will constantly evolve as well. And uh, I will say even when I started, a lot of people started with me as my friends or new investors. Not everybody stayed actually. It might became their side hustle or they found something else or they just didn't go through the hurdles as an investor. So even people in your network will constantly change. And that's really interesting what you say about, you know, investors and people in your network, because I know one of the most difficult thing for, especially um, investors who are starting out, people who really are just starting out, is they don't understand how to get the investors involved, right? Like, mm -hmm. it's scary, because they think yes. that they're, they're going to ask for money. And it's, it's a real mind shift, isn't it? You're not yes. asking for money. What are you asking for? You tell us. You're showing that you can actually provide value. And it has to be a win-win, right? If this you're providing something that the other person wants, then it's not going to work. At the same time, I think as we evolved and got into more deals, now we know how to structure deals differently too. I'll give you an example. If somebody's lo looking for long-term wealth, they could probably come in a deal with equity, not necessarily cash flow. Or somebody who's looking for cash flow or quicker results, they might do a flip with me or they're looking for a project. We can distribute cash flow monthly, immediately. So as we evolve, you have to provide something the other party want as well. Yes, it's sometimes hard to hard to say, hey, I'm gonna do this deal and I'm really scared myself too. How can I get you involved? So a lot of the time is really mindset. I think 80, 90% is mindset. The education portion is actually build your confidence. So at least you know what you're talking about and even built upon other people's mindset. How do they overcome the hurdles? How do they overcome the same doubts that you have? I mean, it's common. We, we all went through the same thing. So it looks like a lot of money. At the same time, you're starting to get more comfortable as well as you get into more deals. It, it looks like a lot of money. However, how do you leverage? How do you present it to your potential investors? Um, really, you, you have to overcome the same fear because we're investors too. So when we got started thinking the same thing, how do I scale? What if I fail? Your investor will think about the same thing. What if the deal couldn't work as planned? A lot of it is trust. A lot of the time it doesn't go as planned. And I found that even though it didn't go as planned, if we trust each other, usually we can get out of it and in a very profitable way. That's a good thing about real estate, right? So many different exit strategies. You, you mentioned 
earlier about hurdles and, and some people not carrying on with real estate investing. What what particular hurdles or challenges have, have you faced and overcome? Wow, there's so many. The biggest and the most recent ones are tenant issues for me. And um, the funny thing is sometimes it's not about money because when we look back or when we tell people the story about how I had to deal with tenants, and eventually I got them out. I possibly some properties I've sold in the end or currently I'm getting into new tenants, etc. Money wise, once you sell it, we were lucky. Sometimes we actually made more money than just holding on to it. Sometimes you have to go through the hurdle, even though in the end, the property value went up. Our wealth looked a lot better. Our balance sheet looked better. However, during the time. Um, dealing with tenant, for example, with noise issues, with drug issues, or not taking out the garbage. Sometimes it's not just about the money. I've found the hardest thing is not seeing the end, seeing the, the light at the end of the tunnel. So for me, it's tenant issue. And um, for things like refinance or the bank didn't come for appraisal on time, which is common these days. And some people depend on that reappraisal to take the equity out. For the next project, I found that as long as the deal is good, you can find other investors to fund the deals or help you keep going. However, it's things you cannot control, like how long the permits will take, how long will the hearing take, how long will it take you to book the sheriff, that kind of thing. That to me is the biggest hurdle. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Do you have a message that you would like to reach a captive audience of thousands of real estate investing focused people with? Then you should be sponsoring the Right Club podcast. We currently have some pre-roll and mid-roll spots on our weekly podcast, which is consistently in the top 100 Canadian podcasts for business and investing, and in the top 1.5% of all podcasts globally, according to Listen Notes. Our audience wants to hear from you. Edison Research found that 67% of podcast listeners enjoy hearing the ads, compared with just 6% for TV and radio. The WARC report said that 78% of listeners are comfortable with hearing ads on podcasts to support non-paid content. To find out more about availability and pricing, get in touch with Catherine Nelson-Riley, Operations Manager at Catherine at therightclub.com. Now, you wrote a book about helping or helping investors, right? To help investors mm-hmm. invest in real estate. So tell us about yeah. that. And um, the, I think everything has a goal. So for my book, I have a goal for myself. I have a goal for the reader. For the reader, I want the investors or potential investor to feel comfortable to get started at least. So the first three chapters is all about mindset. Is It is related to real estate. However, the mindset about you have to set a goal strong enough. So when I talk about the hurdles I had to go through, it all seems like something you can solve or you can overcome because your goal is so big, it doesn't matter. Or you're motivated to find ways to solve these problems. So that's what mainly my book is about. Then I get into the strategy after I set you up with the foundation, then I get into the kind of strategies I was in. I wasn't even able to get into all the strategies because there's so many ways to pivot, so many ways to structure a deal. So I got into lease option, which was my main strategy, and then got into creative financing, wholesaling. And that's basically how I started. And I think 
if you're new, just reading the book, that's how I started. It didn't take that long. I take people step by step, set the goals, set yourself up, and then start your strategy. So it's always goal-oriented, strategy, market, and property. So that's, that's how I set it up in my book. What made you want to write a book in, in the first place, Brooke, and, and now obviously get involved in, in coaching? In the first place, actually, um, my, my son actually wrote the book with me. So I wanted to show him that it could be done. It's funny, I wrote the book the weekend. It was actually career week, career day. And my son chose to come to work with me, not my husband. So I thought I'm going to show him what it is like. I have multiple streams of income. I want to show him that at least. So in the morning, I took him to my day job. He went through the whole facility, sat down with different people. Then I was looking at what's what else is available that day to show him what entrepreneurs do. So in the afternoon, there was a shop about writing a book. And it's actually mainly about branding. So the goal is, so Paul, that's that's your specialty. The goal of writing a book is usually to brand yourself. So I went there, they actually encourage young people to do it. So if you're under 16, the coaching and everything is only half. So I actually encouraged my son to do it. And then he said, why don't you do it? So we were kind of each other's accountability partner. And I always knew I had something to say. And, you know, being on the podcast or even on stage at the right club and everything, really, I have something to share. So I knew I had something to write. It wouldn't be hard. However, it's really sitting down and finding the time and thinking that I could write this. So for me, it's also to, to keep something for, for the next generation. My dad actually wrote a book. Um, however, back in this day, it's a lot harder than us today. I self-published, but back in the days, you have to print you, and you have to commit to selling this many in the first print, second print, that kind of thing. So I actually felt lucky. It's everything is so much easier now. And with the coach, with the software that help us to write and basically I can just speak to my phone and it, it writes out for me. I just transport it to Word and change a few things, then a few pages done. So there's no reason why I cannot do it while I'm waiting in line somewhere on the subway or just sitting in the car waiting for my kids um, out of their activities and things like that. So for personally, even real estate is about learning. So I wanna make sure I learn how to do this. The process basically said you could do this in, in a matter of two months, three months. So I want to test it out. And my son actually finished it too. I didn't tell him. I said, your program is only 10 months. If you don't finish it, we're, we're never going to finish it. And they're not going to help you. But you, you can actually extend the program. However, the point is we, we said we set a time frame and we got to do it. And it's funny, I read a quote this morning. Your goal is basically setting standard for yourself. So if you say this task takes two months, it takes two months. If you say it takes a year, it takes a year. So that kind of proves that concept as well. If we say we're going to do it a year, that's our standard, that's our goal. So it's, it's achievable. So for me, one thing is to leave something behind to keep a legacy as my father did. And on the other hand, the goal is for the reader to go through the same journey kind of with me and set themselves up. Well, it's love- interesting that you say that, that the, the um, um, about, about goals are really your standards, because in another way of saying that is um, 
no matter what you say, you're right. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. If, if you say, I can do this in six months, you're right. If you say, I can't do this in six months, well, guess what? You're right. Yeah. It's, it's pretty simple, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And people it make is. it really, really complicated. Yes. Is, it, is that, is that uh, goal setting advice? Is that something that you now pass on to investors and say, here's how to go about setting goals, putting those kind of self mindset parameters in there? Yes, there's so many different things behind goal setting, I think. And uh, sometimes I beat myself up in the past if I didn't achieve it, or if I achieve it, then I beat myself thinking, did I set it too low? <laughs> you know, you always have, have that doubt. Did right. I leave money on the table, meaning I could have done more and asked for more and I didn't. And uh, now I think as long as you set, you set it up, that makes sense to you. So say, for example, um, I always use what, what's happening to me at the moment that kind of resonates with me the most. So right now I'm building our, our future home. So if I'm saying I need another $600, for example, in cash flow to support the extra mortgage on that house, that's the kind of thing I'm going to set my goals, goals for. So yes, it has to be very specific. And a lot of students are saying, I want two doors. I want to buy a multifamily, at least five doors. That's not a goal. I think that they're just setting something empty. And even when you talk about it, you don't feel the passion behind it. When you go a little bit deeper asking them why that is, why do you want two doors? Why do you want two lease option deals? Oh, I just want to see I can do it. Or I just want to say I have done it. That's not enough. You really have to take a, a step back saying, what does, what does this goal do to me? Like everything we were talking about, either a book or you're using lease option or utilizing different real estate strategy to reach a goal. Really, it has to go back a step. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so we've reached the point in the podcast where we have our lightning round. Oh, so it's uh, quick, quick questions and whatever comes to mind first. Um, okay. Give us, give us your first answer. Okay. This week's lightning round is brought to you by Butler Mortgages, Canada's number one mortgage brokerage three years in a row. If you need a great mortgage broker to help you with investing in real estate or to help you purchase your next home, reach out to Daniel Patton and Michael Zanzini from Butler Mortgages. You can do that by calling 905-569-8326 or toll free at one 888 M-T-G-T-E-A-M -T -T -E and check out their website butlermortgages.com or by email daniel.patton at butlermortgages.com or michael.zanzini at butlermortgages.com and let's go to the lightning round. Um, so what is the best advice you've ever received from an investor or at a networking meeting? Oh wow um same thing, Ashley, I will give to other people. Ashley, you know what? The most recent one, learn like you're going to die tomorrow. Hmm. Mm. Wow. Okay. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's a, that, yeah, that really puts it in perspective, doesn't it? Yeah. Okay. What's your favorite resource for real estate investing? And it could be anything. It can be a book, it could be networking or, you know, a person, an event, but what's your, what's your go-to resource? I will say books, a lot of books, podcast, YouTube. <laughs> Actually, there are a few people that I follow. 
for example, if I'm focusing on speaking, then I will go to a few people just focusing on somebody who is really good at communication. Right. Okay. And what is the one attribute that you feel has made you most successful? I think just constantly learning, being humble, know that you don't know everything. I've also seen people think they, they know everything and act that way. However, I personally think if you're growing, you always have to be humble and learn. Learning, constantly be humble and constantly learn. Okay, nice. so here's here's the last question. I think mm -hmm. we've touched on it a little bit, but I really would like to know what's the hardest thing that you've had to learn as a real estate investor? Wow, hardest thing, fear. Have to overcome fear. The fear mm. could be self-doubt mostly. Okay. Yeah. That doesn't go away. And that's actually part of it. You kind of just learn to manage. Yeah, that's a good point. Comfort. You're right. That's, yeah, that's good advice. Yeah. It's people, successful people do it in spite of, right? They don't yeah. stop because of fear. They just keep going. Yeah, so, exactly. All right. So, Brooke, um, how can people reach you? You know, it's so easy because there's only one Brooke Shang. Not, nobody else has my first and last name. Any social media, type in Brooke Shang, you can reach me. Or just brooke at trustertalent.ca by email. Oh, and tell us the title of your book. What, what is that? Financial Freedom, The Royal Way. Um, Royal Way because my coach mentioned that. I actually travel a lot. So she said, oh, you're living your lifestyle like a royal. So financial freedom, <laughs> the royal way. I have time oh. freedom. <laughs> oh, right. There you go. Well, that's a pretty good goal. Yeah, time freedom. Absolutely. Okay. Yes. Thank you so very much, Brooke. And uh, we wish you all the best. And we'll see you at more Red Club events. And I, I know you're around. So until next <laughs> time, around. thank you. Thank you.